Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Ryan Pierce here, so it's episode 101. And if you know anything about numbers, this jersey, I'm trying to figure out which hand it is. This jersey, that's a one on it, and that is Kirk Caselli's jersey. So technically, that's mine now, and that's the way it's going to work. So 101 episodes. Uh, we had our 100th last week. If anybody didn't get a chance to watch or listen to it, uh, you should do that. It is archived on Stitcher and on iTunes if you want to listen to it. Of course, YouTube, which is then on the site. Uh, it's seatime.co, uh, where we archive all that kinds of fun stuff. Of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, great ways to reach out to us for episodes like this, where you know we get a chance to talk to guys that are, I guess, in in glum situations, and we want to try to cheer them up and talk about a lot of the stuff they're going through. Um, you know, with our with our gentleman friend Ryan Kudla, who's going to be uh, in talking about what's been going on for him in Italy at the ISDE. Uh, great opportunity. You guys can get onto the website and send in questions or topics that you'd like to talk about. Um, all that kinds of fun stuff, so you can do that there on the website. Um, and of course, if you're watching live, we have the chat room, which is at tlk.io slash seat time. Fairly simple to remember. Uh, still trying to work out a way to get that on the same page so that you uh, you can watch and chat and chat and watch and just get all kinds of crazy with it as you're on the internet um, because, you know, you're on the internet. Why not get a little crazy? I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, if you didn't notice with the awesome, awesome intro from our, our friend producer, uh, Stephen Rice, uh, Fly Racing, huge, huge supporter of this show. Can't thank them enough for everything they've done for us. And, of course, Power Sport Graphics as well. Um, got a cool deal coming up uh, for the Ironman GNCC that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, Stephen, what else? I uh, had a couple things that I thought we were going to talk about. I thought one thing that was really funny, I uh, before we introduce Ryan, or bring Ryan in, if you will, um, I was wearing my Verb Off-Road shirt, um, and I was at my boot camp, I think it was Tuesday, no, it was Thursday last week, and uh, the chick, one of the trainers is like, so what is your shirt? And I tried to, like, I was about to be like, oh, it's a social media, or it's a site you can go get about off-road news, and she's like, she tries to pronounce it, it was like, Verb off schnapp like, she just completely butchered it. So I thought that was really funny, so... In situations like that, one, if you don't have a Verb Off-Road t-shirt, you should probably go get one. And two, if you do have one and people completely butcher their name, I think that that is something that we should know about and a perfect chance for you to get into the Ask a Question forum and be like, dude, this is hilarious. This is hilarious. Check it out. Okay, so things that are not hilarious is the fact that Ryan Kudla is awake at 3 a.m. German time, uh, uh, Italian time, whoa, mama, and, uh, and we're here, 8 p.m., Central Standard Time in Texas. Um, so I would like to say, how's the evening going, kind sir? But I'm pretty sure I know the response. So just tell us, what the hell happened? Well, so uh, first of all, I guess it started all with the LAX TSA. When uh, we got there Sunday morning, tried to go through, tried to check our bag, and uh, I started hearing them call Taylor Robert. Taylor Robert, we need you at a uh, bag check and Taylor Robert, we need you at bag check in And we're looking at suspension and these guys are like picking it up like it's a freaking foreign object or something like that. And uh, we said we had the same thing as them, so we headed over and they were like, no, this isn't going on the plane. Um, so anyways, fast forward a little bit. We're, uh, it's Thursday. We're trying to get the suspension dialed in on my bike and uh, we're on the practice track, which is this tiny little, you know, turn track they have out in the middle of a field. It's beat up, it's rough, it's got some big old breaking bumps, big old rut corners, and I, uh, you know, tucked the front end, or didn't tuck the front end, spiked it up in a corner, clipped the outside edge, and it sent me over and onto my shoulder. And at first I thought it was going to be all right, but then, the, you know, the, I couldn't lift my arm off my body, and, and it, it's kind of all downhill from there. Yeah, that's... Not the way I would imagine that you wanted to start off uh, your, your ISDE journey. Um, and unfortunately, not even, as, you, as we were talking about beforehand, you said you would almost much rather it have been a big crash, you know, on your first day or out in a test, just totally pinning it for your country. When unfortunately, it was, it was a practice crash, you know, just kind of working the bike in and getting yourself just kind of dialed in. Um, but you said you kind of knew like right away it was that it was severely injured. Yeah, at first I thought it was, uh, I've uh, done an AC separation about 
I don't know, five times between the two different shoulders, and that's kind of what it felt like at first. Uh, but then later in the day, I could shrug the shoulder, but I just I couldn't bring it off my body anymore. And then finally, I was able to uh, see the doctors, and they're they're pretty certain that it's a uh, a tear in the supraspinatus, which is the upper tendon for the rotator cuff. Sounds dirty. Oh yeah, the upper spinatus. Who was it that was on the show just a little bit ago that had like a real like they hurt there was like their butt boner? What was it? Oh, I don't know. Hopefully Zach remembers. He has a way better memory than I do, and he's in the chat room, so hopefully he'll remember who it was. Um, well, I mean, you got out there on your first day, and you you gave it your all. You rode. Um, so kind of just, I want to know about your journey as a club rider, you know, going through the whole process. You know, it is unfortunate that you got hurt beforehand, but kind of walk me through just what it was like being a club rider, trying to get sorted and get ready for, uh, you know, for racing in, at the ISDE. Well, at the very beginning, I mean, it 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 seems a lot more busy than um, than I thought it was going to be because a lot of people just seem to pull their bikes out of the crate and just put them together and they're all done. Um, but I rented a bike, and so I had a crate basically full of parts. Um, and and uh, I got the bike over, and then basically we – I don't want to say we stripped it down to the frame, but we stripped the bike down a lot. Um and just started putting everything on that I could, all the all the little protectors, all the guards, all the handlebars, the all that stuff. And that took a lot more time than I thought it was going to take. So in between that, we were trying to, to get in walking tests. And uh, I think the first day we walked about 15 miles and worked on the bike about six hours. Um, and the second day, walked another 10 miles, worked on the bike another six hours. And the third day, finally got the bike already and that's when I had my practice track crash um, so I uh, left my dad to fix that up and then I you know I I still wanted I still thought I was gonna ride and I wanted to be sure that if I was gonna make all six days I knew all the tracks so I went out on the day four and five tests and I walked all those tracks on uh, on Friday and I mean it was it was really busy I mean it was it was a lot more busy than I expected it was gonna be because I had to do so much with the bike, and there was a. I, I knew there was a lot of walking involved, but it's a lot of walking, and it takes a lot of time. And these tests may not look that long, but they just weave back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And you know, it's like, oh hey, there's the end right there. Oh shit, I have another three kilometers to walk still. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, so, is your recommendation for anyone that uh, that maybe goes in the future is to not rent or just know that you're getting not a complete motorcycle well completely put together well it's it's completely put together i know there are a couple people here that basically they tightened all the nuts and bolts threw on their suspension and they were good to go um so it's really on your personal preference and how how readily you adapt to change if when i came over here i wanted to make it as much like my bike as i could so i could be as comfortable as possible um you know and hopefully get the I was hoping to get the results um, with being more comfortable. But if you're comfortable with, uh, you know, slapping on your suspension and calling it good, then it's it's not as much work because the bike's already all together. Yeah, and so your brother thinks that it's your fault for not dropping your helmet. Do you give any weight to that superstition? I do. I, I was actually the one that told him. I was, I was riding over the practice track, and I was thinking, when I get there, i got to stop, take my helmet off, drop it, and I'll be good to go. And uh, I forgot to do that because I was so excited to get out on the track and get riding again because it's been a while since we were riding. I was on Italian soil, and I wanted to get it done. And first time the helmet hit the ground, of course, my head was in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is that. Man, that sucks. I know. Uh, I, I've, I've never been a big superstitious person, but for whatever reason, because I guess maybe it has to do with my head, that has definitely been something I've always done. And I don't even think I got it from my father. I just kind of like picked it up from somebody else around but I just thought it was a good idea so um yeah that's definitely unfortunately a lesson learned I guess if you have a superstition you should uh or like a ritual you should stick with it <laughs> so yeah definitely it's, it's just like I I'm really weird and I always put the right my right sock goes on before my left sock the right knee brace goes on before the left knee brace right glove goes on before the left glove little little things like that I'm a kind of a weirdo and I think I have a slight hint of OCD yeah Oh, whatever. 
Scratches on a helmet stink. Zach Huberty, whatever. You shut up. Um, well, I had something. I got an email earlier. This Was it this week or last week? I got an email recently within the past uh, five to six days from a viewer, somebody that watches the show. They used our Contact Us form on the website, so thank you for that, Martin. Him and I have talked back and forth, and I told him that I would like to read his, his email um, on the show. And I think... The main reason why I'm choosing to do it right now, Ryan, is because I think that part of this is just going to cheer you up. It's there. I couldn't stop laughing, so I just hope that you get the same joy out of this email that I got. Uh, his name's Martin. I'm not going to give his last name um, just because that seems wrong. But this is this is so. This is the most bipolar email you're ever going to hear from what I say. First first sentence: Love the show. Great guest. Great topics. Okay. Second paragraph: As a listener. I would just like to hear less of you talking about yourself or whatever and more of the great guests you have speaking. There is nothing worse than having you chime in and interrupt a pro racer when they are about to say something. Not trying to be mean, just want to see the show improve. Best part? I would take dead air any day over half the stuff that comes out of your mouth. End paragraph. Third paragraph. That being said, I really appreciate you doing the show, and I hope you keep it going. Thanks, comma, Martin. Now, is that not, does that make you laugh just a little? That is one of the best emails I've ever heard. That I, is awesome. I had to forward it to, I, I, just, I think I was like, I can't forward to more people, to enough. It was like, I, this is the funniest shit. I just, I mean, I, I think what just, it was so bipolar. Like, it's like, love it, hate it, love it. Like, uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Ridiculously awesome. So, I mean, is that not the kind of stuff you want to get in your e- inbox? Oh, I, I love that way better than the dumb crap that I get from students. <laughs> or from your brother. Uh, that too. <laughs> it's understandable. So, what's fun, though, is uh, I have decided that when on our 100th episode last week, Sam Reynolds offered to uh, to to foot the bill on purchasing the t-shirts because we just don't have enough capital to go in and buy like a new run of t-shirts. Even though we have had a lot of people ask for them, it's just we don't sell them very often. We just sell them a little bit here and there at the races. So Sam Reynolds offered to pay up front. Um, you know, we'll just slowly pay him back as we do sell t-shirts uh, in that sense. And so our good friend Brian Voral, uh, who designed the Seat Time website actually, is designed a t-shirt off of that last quote. So the I would take dead air any day over half the stuff that comes out of your mouth, that will be the next Seat Time t-shirt. Oh, that is fantastic. And it is it is sick looking. I'll, uh, once, once we finalize it, I'll put up a, a teaser on the Facebook. But yeah, I, I just thought that that would cheer you up. And I just, I one, I wanted to read it. And two, I thought you probably needed a good laugh. So that's why I chose that time to do it. Um, okay. Now, being that you're a club rider and you got to hang out with, you know, guys of caliber of Kirk Caselli, you know, the Zach Osbournes, Taylor Robert, Mike Brown. I mean, all, all these fantastic, phenomenal, top of the line professional off-road racers, some of them motocross racers, some of them supercross racers, what questions were you asking to to become more knowledgeable as a rookie coming in riding your first ever ISDE? Um, well, I guess I wasn't asking too many questions. I was just trying to sit back and be a casual observer a lot of times. I've watched a lot, a lot, a lot of videos on ISDE. I mean, I've been really interested in a lot in, in a long time. Um, a lot of the questions that I had, I guess, were well, the, the few that I actually did get to ask, I was asking more about, you know, how are the special tests set up? Um, how fast should I be going each day? How hard do I need to push? What do you think about this? Um, and the awesome thing that I found was that all those guys are just amazingly easy to talk to, and they're not nobody that I met. Um, has any sort of, um, you know, I'm better than you attitude. I could walk up to Ryan. I met Ryan Sipes in the Chicago airport, and we just started talking about racing, and it was, it was awesome. I met Taylor in uh, uh, LAX when our suspension got stuck together, and uh, you know, it's been really easy to talk to. And if I do have any questions, um, they're really helpful to answer. But basically, the I've been watching a whole bunch, and, and, and a lot of the answers have been, you know, 
Just wait until the race comes. It's really simple. You'll figure it out really quick. Hmm. I just, I I know that I would be so freaking nervous. Look, uh, you know, I tried to qualify last year, all that fun stuff. Again, now because of Martin Zelo, I'm afraid to talk about myself. It's just like, I don't, like all these life experiences that I think are hilarious that could, you know, help people as well are just useless now. I just, I, it's, it's ridiculous. I feel like I have no purpose. Um, but uh, I, I was, I was so nervous just because of the fact that it was like, holy crap, if I do make it, what, what do I have to, like the whole another process of learning, like, and you have to shove all of it into like a two month window. Um, I would. I mean, how was that? Did you just did you get overwhelmed once you knew you made it, or did, was it kind of like okay, you just like you said, you watch the videos, did you just stick to the stick to the training and pull the trigger once you get there? There there were times when just all the planning and do I have enough parts? Do I have enough? Um, you know, am I training enough? Am I training too hard? Am I not training hard enough? Um, is the bike going to be ready? Am I going to be ready? Should I go race this weekend? Do I want to get hurt? Am I not going to get hurt? There was, there was a lot of that and a lot of worry about, oh, is, is my fundraising event going to bring in enough money? Am I going to make my goal? Am I going to be able to buy the plane ticket this week because they're set to go up another $400 next week? There was a lot of that kind of worrying, but, um, as far as the actual riding, it felt like it was coming along nicely for me as, uh, I was, I would talk, I got a chance to talk with Kurt at one of the motocrosses and he was just saying, you know, work on your sprint speed because all the tests are really short. And everybody that I've talked to, I was able to get in touch with a lot of people that have gone before and that, and everything that they were saying was things that I was, that I thought would be true or thought would be right. So it was, I felt like I was going on the right path and that was, that was comforting even though I'm always stressed and I'm always kind of neurotic about everything. All right. Well, you're a PhD student, PhD student, so I'd imagine that most of you guys probably are neurotic at some point, right? I mean, it takes a lot to do that. <laughs> yeah, we're a little crazy, a little nerdy, a little uh, different. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Understandable. All right. Well, while I've got you here, I wanted to talk about your opinions and your thoughts and kind of just get some for your feedback about how um, how the results have been going for not just Team USA, which is obviously we could talk about that, I'd imagine, for a whole hour. Um, and then, you know, we've got France doing so good. The Australians are now in second place over us. So kind of take me by, you rode a lot. You rode the first day, and it was the second day where you decided not to ride. So after the first day of you you getting out there and you doing the test, did you think, uh, obviously besides the painful shoulder, did you go, oh, my gosh, I was prepared, prepared for this? Or was your just shoulder just too much, like, um, well, if I hadn't hurt my shoulder, um, I was actually, when walking the test, I was really excited about them because they were dry, dusty, rocky. Um, I mean, they were, they were like home, um, which after they got ridden, um, the first time, after the first 600 riders went over to my them, after that, they were a little more blown out and choppy and I mean, giant silt berms and stuff like that, but it was it was still probably more like something that I had ridden than anything else. And I definitely felt that I had prepared well as far as motocross goes because everything I either had a big berm a, or a deep rut in it, um, and they were short. I mean, the test times, I was going ridiculously slow. I was actually the last, I was the slowest person in the first test, and that was 16 minutes long. So the tests were all short. They were all, they were all, really, really fast, which is like a normal motocross race, um, which I think is why Ryan Seitz is doing so well. Um, but what I was surprised about um, was, was actually how difficult, not difficult, um, how much single track the transfers had and how much that could wear on you, because that's, that's really what wore on me the most. When I got to the specials, they were all, um, I mean, they're all pretty much car-wide because they have to be able to get an ambulance in there. Right. Um, so the, the specials really aren't that bad, but the transfers are all single track, rocky, through the woods, and with the rain we got on Sunday, the special, the transfers were would have been amazing if I could actually use my arm at all. Right, yeah. I could, yeah, that, that could be extremely frustrating. <laughs> but, uh, would, so you, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just to say, that was always the worst part. I'd, I'd start to feel good. And then something small would happen. I'd tweak my shoulder weird, and then I'd be useless for another twenty minutes. Yeah, yep. 
Well, um, you, you mentioned Ryan Sipes, and uh, I think in day one, everybody kind of was like, whoa, what happened to this Weller team? Those guys were kind of all, you know, pigeonholed to be replacements for a trophy and all that stuff. And I don't think we saw the performance. Um, but Jimmy Jarrett isn't a rookie. He's been to the ISD quite a few times. Uh, Nick Ferringer, complete rookie. Ryan Sipes, obviously a rookie to the ISDE. Um, but today, it looked like they all turned it on. I mean, Nick Ferringer's in third place in E3, in the or in C3, because it's a club team. Um, then we've got Ryan Sipes and Jimmy Jarrett both um, up towards the top uh, in their class. I think they're both E2 uh, doing awesome. I mean, that's so that they turn it around a lot, and that's fantastic. I don't know if it's just getting used to it, um, but. I know I know a lot of it with um, with Nick was how far back he started. I mean, I started at, I started after 540 riders, I think, and then he started another 15, 20 minutes after I did. So he had a lot of riders to come through, um, and definitely the club teams that were closer to the trophy teams had a lot better course than we did the first time through. So what we saw, what I think we saw, is that the first time through, those upper club riders were a lot faster. Especially, I mean, I think the E1 class was the biggest class this year, um, and then as as the second time around came, I think the skill really came out from that those Weller team guys. Right, huh? And especially now because they're they're more up front towards the because every every day they readjust the start order based on your finish position from the previous day. <laughs> oh man, now people are talking about my dead air. Uh, I guess I shouldn't have read that. Now it's just going to be wearing on me the whole time. Professional, I got to pull it together. Um, well. So they've been doing a lot better, and I'm glad to see that, and I think you're absolutely right that them being able to move up and have less guys in front of them, a little bit maybe not as blown out trail, even though you guys rode the, they, they rode the same test day one and day two, correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and then they'll start new tests for day three and four? Um, actually, day three, we have um, one new test that's going to get run twice, and they're taking out one of the tests from day one and two. Otherwise, it's the same test. Ugh, man, that's gonna, there's going to be <laughs> some upset people in the back of that pack. Um, so then is, is it four and five then? Because I know that there's got to be some just completely new days. There's all of it kind of re-wearing some of the same four. test. Yeah, four and five. So three is basically day one and two backwards as far as the transfers, and then most of the specials are the same, and then day four and five is a totally new course. Okay, well, that's good. That's cool. I like to hear that. That's always nice. Um and then we could talk about some of the, the World Trophy guys. Uh, I think we saw really good performance from Zach Osborne uh, yesterday. Today, him and Thad seemed to have a little bit of an off day. They both were kind of in the 54s overall uh, test times. and uh, But you know, most of the other guys were in 52. And then Taylor Robert, being the top American, was in 51, I believe. 51 minutes behind. Um, or points gained. However you want to talk about it, since we're in Enduro. And then... Uh, the junior guys. I thought that I'm really, really impressed with Grome. Um, I know he's a fast rider. I just didn't know how he's going to do. Excuse me, in this situation, and I think he's doing awesome. I'm actually surprised that Grant Baylor isn't actually isn't going a little bit faster. Um, and it sounds like DeLong has been talking a little bit about his wrist, so it's probably bugging him. And Bobbitt was having the same issues last year, and it kind of slowed him down throughout the week. So I don't know how it's going to wear on DeLong. Russell freaking killing it, but unfortunately, you know he. Uh, as he calls it a brain fade and goes into a checkpoint late and uh, you know winds up gaining two minutes because of that uh, so that's just the, I mean what, what are your thoughts I mean, you, you've been in the pitch you've been talking to these guys a little bit you've been overhearing stuff hiding in the corner maybe maybe staring at Caselli a little bit for me I was trying to I was trying to, oh I had a I had a guy one of the one of the physicians here wanted to say that he uh, he saw a handlebar mustache last night on an Italian he almost took a picture of it and sent it to you. It was just that good. Ooh, I, I'm fine. If you guys find him at the after party, please take a couple pictures, maybe a video of him. He could be like, see Tom, pine full of awesome, or however they do it in Italian. I don't know. But I'm in. Or maybe All cute right, chicks. I'll... We'll do cute chicks, too. We'll take whatever we can get. I'm not going to lie. But handlebar mustaches and hot Italian chicks, that's a definite. All right, I'll be. I'll, I'll see if we can find him again. Yeah. If, uh, if you, are you planning on going to go to the after party for a little bit? There's an after party? What? Oh, yeah. Yes. This is my advice to you. I was a rookie going to the ISDE last year. Obviously, I was doing media stuff, but still. Go find the Australians 
and tell him Maddie Phillips. That's who you want to hang out with all night. You know, Strang and Milner, those guys are fun. Maddie Phillips, that's your boy right there. He's going to get you dancing on the dance floor that you didn't know you wanted to dance. You're going to wind up on tabletops. You might wind up taking somebody else's shirt home because yours gets disappeared. And, yeah, it's, it could get weird. Just we'll saying. see if we can line it up. Yeah, you're yeah, like, we'll maybe. We'll down. Maybe. I like it. I like it. Well, give, me, give me something besides Kirk Caselli telling you every day that he wishes I was there. Um, what other kinds of stuff you've been hearing in the pits? And, like, well, how's everybody look? What's their demeanor? Like, are they excited? Are they unhappy where they're at? Like, um, I mean, the biggest thing, so I I, uh, I got put to work today. I was working the pre-finish, uh, just trying to help out and keep up. And, uh, and well, today we had, a, we had a guy, I think it uh, carted himself out. So there was a big old 25-minute delay that I was doing time with those riders to try and help them out. But basically the biggest thing that I heard was that the course was, was getting pretty gnarly and pretty chewed up um, and that no one was really looking forward to special tests uh, tomorrow. Most of those, most of those guys were, when they came through where I was, they were so focused on uh, getting the bike ready to, to change tires and change filters and change oil and stuff like that, um, that they didn't have too much time to talk. Right. Um, I I know that Brown had a couple clutch problems, but he did an amazing job staying on time. <laughs> and uh, they said he he made I, it by like what just a second, like was I think was Dirt Rider or Cycle News head. Yeah, I think I, I I know it was close. Um I didn't I saw I read that it was just a second, but I'm not sure what the actual time was, but I know it was really close and uh and you know, I I think he might be changing a clutch in the morning too. Um but he's so I mean he's doing a, he's doing amazing uh right now, especially with all the work that he's been doing on the bike. Um and those guys I mean, those guys have been working their tails off and while there while there are little things here, uh, it's really cool. This year they set up all the KTM mechanics, so they have one KTM mechanic at each pit to help out all the Team USA riders. Um, so I, I I feel like we're really coming together as a team. And uh, you know I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit from, hey, from no. the question that you asked about Go how they're it. how they're doing. Um, but I know that they're excited about their most people are excited about their special times. Some people you know want to do a little bit better. Um, but the tests, it's so easy to make a mistake in a test. And there's, there's one big old mud hole out on the grass track. And uh, I think a rider or two from our team got stuck in there today. Yeah, Zach Osborne. Yeah. Uh, and so a little frustrated about that. But other than that, I mean, I, the course is chewed up and they're doing as best they can. We're only on day two. This, I think, is the fastest start that we've had ever. And I think the guys are only going to get better as they get more comfortable. Yeah. You're right. That is a very, very good point. Is that and uh, that's what one of the things Auntie was talking about in one of the interviews is like we have never been able to come out this strong, um, and that that it's just a testament to how good, as you were saying as well, with the teams. The team itself has really started to kind of gel. I think a lot more people ask the right questions. They know how to practice now, um, and having guys like Zach Osborne and Ryan Sipes, I think, only makes our guys who are fantastically great off-road racers push that much harder because they don't. You know what I mean? Like, sure, they're all great guys, but some people want to come in and be like, I'm the off-road racer. I don't want to be beat by MX guy or whatever. Like, so, I don't know. It might be a little bit of ego in there. Just a We don't have ego when we race dirt bikes. It's not like, <laughs> Just, like we're trying to beat the other guy. <laughs> you only have egos when you're trying to beat up some curb or uh, some uh, some berm, right? Just putting, exactly. your front, putting your front tire right into it. <laughs> oh. All right, well, uh, Go ahead, tell me a little bit more about what you see for the next coming days, and then where people can find you as you've been posting this stuff. Because now that you're not going to be, not you're not going to be riding, uh, and you're going to be out there helping, I'd imagine you're going to be able to take a couple more pictures, maybe do some more updates and stuff like that. So I think you'd be a great source for people who want to know how they can kind of follow that. Uh, well, I'm doing most of my updates on my Facebook page, just Ryan Kudla on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or anything else so you're completely uh, worthless basically that's fine you want uh, the you want the seat time credentials <laughs> maybe I can all of a sudden we just there. we showed up in yeah, italy maybe they can give me like a media jacket i'll get the media bracelet then i can go anywhere that, co- um, that costs a I, lot of money i hate to tell you surprisingly this rider bracelet will get you pretty much anywhere you want dig it um, so, so i will actually give you all the seat time credentials after the show's over um, but yeah, I, 
I'm going to be at Special 3 tomorrow, I think. So uh, that is... Oh, man. Oh, that's going to be the grass track one with the big mud holes. Maybe I can go over there and point some lines out. Um, take some pictures of people in mud holes. But, <laughs> Dig but it. What I, I, I mean, I know that the course they're going to be beat up, um, but it's all desert-type stuff, so I, I really hope that our West Coast guys excel um, and continue to push. They're, they're getting faster, I think, especially Taylor. He, he's been really consistent up there in the test, um, and I can see him doing well also. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope we're getting... Our club riders are also doing really, really well. Um, I think, so far, I'm the only club rider that, that's had to retire Everybody else is uh, is getting through, getting their legs about them, and uh, and getting through the day. And I don't think too many round points have been dropped, other than little brain fades. Um, so really, as like like you said, as a team, as Team USA, we're really gelling, and everybody's coming along, everybody's pitching in, and and everybody's really excelling. I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's actually interesting. I checked with Steven. I was like, hey, so Alex is set up and ready to go, and he hasn't heard from him. So, Alex, if you're watching the show, make sure you text Steven back. So, I've got more questions, and I want to just ask him if, you, if you're okay to stay on a little bit longer, Ryan. That's good with me. Okay. Uh, Matt Crouch brought up a good point, um, and he asked about the fact that with Mike Brown and his clutch and changing it on the side of the trail, he didn't know that that was one of the things that you could, that you could change in the side of the trail. So, did, did they... How how briefed were you on what you could and or couldn't do, you know, kind of in that situation uh, with, with parts parts changing and and when you can and can't mess with things on the bike. Um, basically, we just kind of read through the rider handbook. I, I I I don't really know. We were we were kind of briefed a little bit, um, but. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough question. That I we didn't get too much on that because I wasn't I wasn't expecting to, to have to change anything like that. I mean I had a I had a shifter in my fanny bag, a lever in my fanny bag, stuff like that. But right. um, I really don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, like if he had clutch plates in his fanny pack, that's an it's wow, that's a huge fanny pack. Like, cause think what else he had in there if he's carrying around clutch plates. So. I don't know. Interesting, interesting point, interesting point. Okay, um, and then the moto test coming up. How is that going to be set up this year? Did you get a chance to walk that test? Because, like, and I'm, I'm, talking, I'm referring to day six, the final moto. Um, last year, you know, it was right there at Soxen Ring. It was all set up around the uh, the race course. So it was really neat, very iconic for those guys to be able to race on it. What do you, What's the setup for you guys there for for day six? I haven't. I wasn't actually able to get over the motor track, um, but from what I heard, it's basically a motocross track that's off in the off in the country, and uh, um, it. You can see. You, I know there's a video of it on YouTube, uh, but pretty much I think everybody's just gonna ride over there, and I was gonna figure it out when I got there for the most part. Uh, but now that I don't have to figure it out, I'm just gonna go hang out and spectate. Right. <laughs> I didn't quite get to day six. I, I was talking with Kurt, and he said that uh, normally you have. Uh, a lot of time to just hang out and watch because I think the club riders are um, last to race on there. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you'll have a lot of fun, and you'll be you'll be like seat times, you know, correspondent over there in Italy. I mean, it sounds like I'm gonna have to get you a T-shirt or something to pay you back for all this. I mean, well, I guess we'll wait and see how much uploading I get done first. That's true. Maybe maybe just a couple high fives in the maybe some some strangers or something but we'll make it we'll we'll do some uh some compensating if you will well cool it sounds like alex is ready to go he was just trying to skype himself in that guy hey we're gonna call you i'm just kidding but seriously what's up now i'm just gonna give you dead air best dead air ever all right so ryan good luck man uh i know that it's got to be a bummer for you but it it, it really means a lot that you were just kind of like, hey, I'm up anyway, dude. You, let's get let's get on the show. Let's talk about this. I want to I want to share some knowledge. Um, so really really appreciate that. It's very awesome of you. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything and just keep us updated, dude. I want to know everything. So especially... no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to be on here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fun. You know, I wouldn't do this if it wasn't fun. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. All right, dude. Uh, get some sleep if you can. Good luck tomorrow, and uh, definitely we'll talk to you soon when you get back so we can get some more info from you, all right? All right, awesome, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, dude. Sleep well.
Thanks. Peace. All right. So as we're going to kind of transition over from Ryan Kudla into Alex uh, Mastins. Oh, I just totally screwed up his last name, but that's okay. Martins. Hey, uh, Alex Martins. I wanted to go ahead and say thank you very much to Fly Racing for their support of C-Time. Uh, one of the things I've noticed uh, a ton of the riders over there is they've had their Useway hydration packs on. So for those that don't have any hydration packs, you're like, oh, you know, I don't like supporting Camelback anymore. What you need to do is you need to get yourself out there and you need to uh, get one of the Useway Fly Racing hydration packs. I think that's the best way to do it. Those things are awesome. Um, you can check it out at flyracing.com. Um, and as we kind of transition to, uh, definitely say thank you to Ride PG, one of the one of the great sponsors of Seat Time. What uh, Jared Bolton kind of hit me up about is that the last round of the GNCC series, which is round thirteen, um, they're going to have the Ironman GNCC will be going pink again this year for breast cancer awareness. GNCC racing will relax background colors for the race and encourage everyone to run pink number plates. You can purchase a pink front plate from PG for twenty two ninety five. Uh, resulting in a $5 donation or a full set of number plates for $69.95, resulting in a $10 donation. And PG will also have decals available at their tent for a minimum of a $1 donation. So obviously that is really cool that they're doing that to make sure that one, that it was support breast cancer awareness. They're going to relax the background colors to let people run pink. Um, and then of course that PG is you know making it easy, not just for you to get decals, but for you to be able to put in a donation to breast cancer awareness. So you can go check them out at seedtime.com. I have no idea if the seat time discount code works on that since part of that is being donated. But since you're donated it, I think you should just try to use it and see what happens. And if it doesn't go through, make sure you purchase it anyway because it's always going to be, excuse me, the right thing to do. And uh, we obviously thank them very, very much for their support of seat time. So as we kind of transition now into Alex, Alex's video does not seem to be coming through. Now that might be something that he can figure out as we're kind of going through the show. But if not, that's okay because we could still hear him rustling around back there. So I have a feeling we're going to be able to get a lot out of this um, regardless. Now the reason why I wanted to talk with Alex, Alex hit me up and he was like, hey, like the show, again, another person that's reached out, which we really appreciate. Uh, he was telling me about a 24-hour adventure race that him and his buddies are getting ready to do uh, at Starvation Ridge. Kind of watched some of the videos of it. Actually, uh, Reed Brown, he was a club member last year at the Team USA. He actually was on the team that won the 2012 uh, Starvation Ridge. So it looks like a really cool race. Uh, it's coming up really soon. I just kind of like the story of these guys. So um, I wanted to talk to him about it um, and just find out more about these adventure races that keep happening because... Yeah, they seem to be popping up all over the place. So I don't figure. So, in that point, Alex, I, 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 we can hear you. So, what's going I can on, hear man? You. How's your evening going? Evening is going fantastic. Could you hear me? Absolutely. What's cool is we have this fantastic picture of you. Even though it's okay, we can't see you. What we have is you going over some like some wicked tires. So, is that oh, a, really? is that a picture of you, or is that like a picture of what you want to look like when you ride? No, that that is me. That's actually at the uh, local desert race, the Desert One Hundred. And we kind of, it's not incorporated into this race, it's incorporated into another race that they hold earlier in the season. And that's the Enduro Cross section that they have, and that's actually me on my KTM Super Enduro. Nice. So that's like a yeah. six, that's a 690 you're on? 950 twin. That's a 950 twin? Dude! <laughs> I know guys that are on like 450s and like 300 KT, 300 XCs and they won't go over tires like that. That's awesome, man. You're like, you know yeah. what? 100, 100 horsepower, you can do anything, right? exactly you just gotta uh yeah you gotta go with it yeah oh absolutely okay so again like i said i got a chance to watch some of the video footage from the 24 hours last year and it looked really intense it seemed like it was like ridiculously muddy so is that an event is this an event that you have done before with your team members or is this something completely new to you guys i have not personally done this race before a number of the team members have done it no one's attempted it on the adventure bikes yet so last year, in the past three years, it's been extremely muddy conditions. Previous to that, it's been pretty dry conditions. So, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest, we really kind of have to take everything into consideration. We don't know if it's going to be a dry race, if it's going to be a mud race. So we're kind of anticipating both. Right. Well, that's, that's the way to do it, I think. Um, so you guys, so this isn't actually like an adventure ride. This is a real 24-hour race that you guys are just choosing to do on adventure bikes? So that's exactly what we're doing. We're <laughs> so we're, be, we're crazy, but we're going to step it up to another notch of just balls out crazy. That's pretty much it. We're going to be attempting the, I think we're having a team meeting tomorrow, but we're going to be doing the 
open expert class is what we're going for. So we're going to be competing against 450s and so on. Right. Man. And so uh, you just mentioned that you were on the 950 in that picture. Is that the bike that you're is the same bike that you're going to be riding in this event? That is correct. Man. And so, all right. Now, I'm kind of new to the whole adventure thing. My dad, I believe it's the 11, 1190 that he has. And uh, he loves that thing. He thinks it's awesome. And so I kind of want to learn more about it. But what are you going to do different to this adventure bike, this 950 that you have for something that essentially is made for a quote-unquote dirt bike? opposed to Well, so there's a number of things that we're going to do. All of us are ex-racers. We kind of backed away from racing just due to the fact that we needed to not get hurt was really what it came down to. So we started riding these adventure bikes. And, you know, when you have 100 horsepower, they handle extremely well when they're properly set up. Uh, they're pretty capable machines, and recently, due to Daryl at Cyclops Motorsports, he had created a adventure bike class for the Desert 100, which is the largest desert race in the Pacific Northwest. Right. About 7,000 people show up for that event. It's hosted by the Stump Jumpers Motorcycle Club. Um, they created a adventure bike class. It's shown some interest, and you know, we were all sitting around one day and basically came up with the idea of. We really like riding these bikes. It's a lot of fun. Why don't we go out and test and test ourselves and do something that nobody's been able to do yet? Huh. Well, so. I think you're crazy. Um, <laughs> well, but hey, we'll, we'll see what happens at the end. Yeah, we'll no, for sure. Do, what are your uh, what are your, I guess what are your expectations? Maybe your uh, your best case scenarios. Well, we're we're definitely gunning for a podium. That's for sure. Awesome, and that's so. in the open open expert class. Open expert class is what we're going for. I, I'm pretty sure of that. We have a few things to discuss tomorrow, but I think that's what we're going for. Man, that's pretty awesome. So tell me a little bit more about this race in general, this 24 hours of Star Racing Ridge. The One of the other 24-hour races that I, I am knowledgeable on is like 24 hours at Perry Mountain. Um, right. Race that goes right. on there. So in the sense that they say go, you race for 24 hours on X amount of, you know, a mild lap. I mean, is that the same kind of idea? It, it, it's event? exactly, it's exactly the same thing. Okay. So the, the mileage varies from year to year. It goes from anywhere from 22 to 28 miles. And they do mix in quite a few different obstacles as far as going to, you know, you have to go through a couple barns. You have to go through what's known as the briar patch. Um, some rock gardens, tank traps, and such like that. So they do make it a pretty challenging race. Right. Um, and then being in the Pacific Northwest, is this, you know, say like uh, Eric Kudla just mentioned in the chat room that uh, 24 Hours of Glen Helen. Now that's held on a motocross race. They've had a couple works races and stuff like that out there. How would the terrain where you guys are at compare to, you know, a place like a Glen Helen? exactly opposite to be honest okay so this Perfect. is going to be what, a, this, that's what i'd rather <laughs> right so this is not going to have a motocross track incorporated into it it's going to have everything from rock gardens we don't really have too many sand washes here in the northwest so it's going to be even though we're on the eastern side of the mountains which is much drier than the western side obviously um there aren't really as many sand washes stuff like that so it's really uh there's going to be sections going through the trees, a very large grass track section, some single track sections with lots of rocks, um, pretty much just about everything you could imagine thrown at you. And you have to go through a couple barns that have some obstacles that you have to go through and just kind of mix it up and make it fun. Awesome. No, it sounds like a fantastic event. Um, so we just got back a couple weeks ago. Actually, it's been about a month um, from the Big Sky, the you know the AMA Off-Road National oh, yeah. Championships. Say in that sense, how would the how would the terrain c compare to to that kind of an? It's to Big it's Sky? it's not going to be that grueling. Brig Sky is kind of known for being one of the most grueling races out there. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I, it's, I did a lap out there just fine. I mean, it was really slow, <laughs> but I did. Yeah, but I mean, you know, when you're 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 going at race pace for 24 hours, even though you're switching through teams, I mean, you know, they have to keep everything within reason. Oh, they're for not sure. going to be doing a you know an Erzberg style or Romaniac style race or something like that. Yeah, especially when somebody's like, "Hey, let's do our adventure bikes on it," because that's uh, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be awesome. So, how are you going to get that? In some of the single track sections is is it like tight enough to where you're going to have to like kind of shimmy and shake through there? Because the those oh, bikes uh, are a bit wider, right? They're a little bit wider. Uh, they're obviously a lot heavier. Um, you know, once these bikes are pretty set up, everybody kind of has a, a misunderstanding of how capable these bikes really are. Right. When they're the suspension's dialed, you have the motor set up how you want, 
the right tires is obviously a, a very large issue. These bikes burn through tires like you wouldn't believe. Um, they're, they're pretty capable, nimble bikes within the right hands. So a lot of burnt rubber with those guys, huh? Oh, yeah. Man. Absolutely. And so are you going to do you run knobbies on it for this kind of an event? Or are you going to run yeah. your traditional, I guess, adventure tires? So, so typically we run the Dunlop 908s on this on the back of this bike, uh, just due to the fact that nothing really holds up. These are 100 horsepower bikes. Um, you know, they're some guys they last 300 miles. Sometimes they last 500 miles, just depending on exactly what they're doing with the bike. You know, if if you're riding aggressively off road. You know, there's only so much that that tire is going to be able to withstand. If it's rocky, you know, we've burned through tires within 250 miles. And these are pretty expensive tires. These are $200 rear tires. So so I'm going to have you know, to wait till I'm, like, retired to be able to afford one of these bikes. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a big investment, but it definitely gives you some good return. Yeah. That's like so. uh, being able to it, – it, we were talking with Alan Stilwell uh, a little bit ago, and he was telling us how they've been kind of testing a lot more UTV-type stuff. Now, of course, that's another thing. You get a four-by, it's a little bit more expensive – but he's talking about how he can fit like his whole family and they have the ability to just ride across the desert to go eat somewhere, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And they just all like all the families get in their UTVs and just drive across the desert instead of take the long way, which would be, you know, the highway uh, and go cross to another town. It sounds like, you know, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, obviously you're on a dirt bike, so you don't have as much space, but that's the the same idea with this adventure bike. It's like dual sporting, but cool. Uh, I would say, you know, there's there's a lot of different aspects to it. You know, there's a lot of guys that we camp off the bikes. We'll go do multi-day rides off of them. We'll carry all of our gear in like a, a giant loop, great basin bag or something along those lines, which are allowed to. You're allowed, it holds everything from tent to the food to everything like that. So really the only stops you make are for random little supplies, beer and and liquor of course and then that's uh, going to be my question yeah yeah you know, that's kind of a you know it, it's it's a fun thing to do when you go out with the, a certain group of guys you could have some good fun and then you know you just camp out under the stars and uh, do fun stuff like that so you typically get long long days in the saddle so you know on our average rides like that we'll do 175 to 300 mile days and be on the bikes for 10 to 12 hours straight so right Man. Good fun. Oh, absolutely. So is this this 950 that you have, is this, we were doing a little bit of talking with uh, Scott Scotty Broman, who's running the Baja Rally. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. is this a bike that's completely capable in a rally situation like that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, this bike was actually designed to compete in the Erzberg Prologue, uh, the bike that I'm riding specifically. It's kind of a mix-match piece, piece put together by KTM. Just to, at the time, get David Knight a top position while they were doing the Erzberg Prologue. So, hmm. it's it's a pretty fun bike, and, you know, that's definitely something you could do with that. There's some sections in Baja that I, I think Scotty's rooting him through that that'd be a little difficult, but totally doable. Interesting. Man, that's so cool. I, I really do want to get out into one of these. Um, after we did that interview, or that show, with Scotty, um, I had a couple different people from the from the rally world uh, hit us up. It just kind of like, hey, thanks for talking about rally. You know, it, it's getting bigger and giving us a lot more information on it. And it really seems like something that could be super cool. And especially, I mean, I'm 34. By no means do I think that I'm old. But at the same time, it's one of those things that, you know, once or twice a year to kind of learn a little bit more, get a little bit more introduced to it, that as I hit that, you know, maybe higher 40s or 50s, that it's like take on the world with that kind of a stuff. Or am I just missing my mark? Could I do it now? And I'm still cool? You could do it now. You know, rally is, you know, I wish that we had the exposure to rally um, as, a, as a country like the Europeans and the South Americans have. Just right. due to the fact that, you know, guys like Quinn Cody and Jonas Street and guys like that, that, you know, not only is it the rider ability, but it's navigating ability. There's so many different aspects that go into rally racing that's that's pretty cool that, you know, it's really nice to see that the U.S. market's really approaching and accepting rally. With Scotty doing something like taking on the putting on the Baja Rally is, it's an unbelievable task that he's doing, and it's it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and um, you're you actually do you do you own the shop that you the? Uh... I I do. Okay, and so how I mean it, it? Do you? I know this for a while. There, looking at your website, you kind of carried the more European market bikes and things like that. And now you kind of carry a little bit of everything. Um, do you find that you're starting to pinpoint your shop more towards this kind of adventure rally type stuff, or is Absol- it 
Absolutely. With okay. the uh, with the adventure bike market, I mean, I have a KTM background. I've raced KTMs. That's kind of what I've, I've specialized in and grown up knowing. Um, you know, the, uh, the adventure bike market, specifically here in the Pacific Northwest, has just exploded. And it's it was a, a move that I made on behalf that I'm, I'm thankful that I did. It, it not only did it bring me into... Uh, uh, riding that I really thoroughly enjoy, but it's allowed me to meet a lot of amazing people that I've been able to create great relationships with. And, you know, the, uh, you know, I have a, there's some hair scramble riders that I, I do sponsor. There's some enduro riders that I sponsor, but I'd say that most of my clientele is all adventure bike market. Like it's good 60 to 70%. Wow. That seems like such a crazy niche market. Like you would think. To base you a would... shop off of, or to have a shop kind of meld into, but if it's taken off, it's taken off, right? Yeah, no, no, it's, I, I've been very fortunate. And, uh, you know, with, with this, I've kind of built a niche market, just like you're saying, and I, I get suspension from all over the world. It's, it's pretty amazing. Now that's, that's actually right. What I wanted to ask about was the suspension on these bikes. Again, we were talking sure. with Alan Stillwell. We've talked with, uh, the, uh, the dude from Kreft suspension, you know, with his transition oh, yeah. valve, stuff like that. Um, I want to, what, what is different about these bikes that makes the suspension, so different to set up. So a, I mean, a lot of heavy as shit, but right, yeah, they're they're <laughs> extremely heavy. Uh, that's for sure. Um, a lot of them, not specifically the KTM brand, like the the new 1190 that's coming out, but the 990s, 950s, and, and my bike, the Super Enduro. Um, a lot of them come up with suspension, and, and it, it kind of makes you you boggle when you think about it. Um, you know the the 990 adventures are severely undersprung in the in the front, extremely oversprung in the rear, and then the valving in there is just an absolute joke. Um, so from the factory, they're they're pretty limited machines, and that's I think a, a big reason of why people have the misconception of of these adventure bikes is, you know, they're really poorly set up from the factory, and and once they're dialed, they're they're super capable. So. You know, typically every bike is springs front and rear and valving work, custom pistons, you know, so on. Um, And then you come into the other brands like the BMW F800s and stuff like that, where the suspension is so antiquated that uh, there's definitely room for serious improvement across the board. And then uh, number one. Okay, so I was talking about my dad's got one of these bad boys. What's the number one uh, accessory? Not just for my own personal use, but I think other people would wonder about that, too. A skid plate. Skid plate. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that almost seems normal. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of weight behind these, and then you throw a, you know, the, the average adventure bike rider, I would say, is, is much more out of shape than your, your average endurocross rider, enduro rider, or motocross rider. I mean, typically these are older, more refined, so to speak, gentlemen that are a little bit on the heavier, portly side. So skid plates are, are definitely a must. Suspension is a must. Um, there's a there's a good number of things that really need some help. And uh, it's interesting that you said refined when it comes to motorcycle <laughs> riders. I was like, hey, now, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, the the Desert 100. You mentioned that, and it's interesting yeah. that you did. Uh, we actually got a couple emails right after we put out the Big Sky uh, edit that Stephen and I uh, kind of helped put together with John Lagoo and Brian Elliott um, from their respective companies. Uh, we got an email from somebody from the Sidewind- Sidewinders Club. Was it Sidewinders? Uh, Stump Jumpers. Stump Jumpers. MC. Sidewinders yep. is uh, in Texas. I'm an idiot. That's fine. Um, and they were like, hey, you know, they were telling us about this whole race and that they really enjoyed our edit and they were talking about having wanting us to come out there. So tell me a little bit more about the Desert 100. That's kind of, it's uh, like, the, what is it, April next year? March? I think it's April or March next year. Are you still there? Can you hear me? Absolutely. Are you there, Alex? Yeah. Again. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, yes, absolutely we can. So uh, the Stamp Jumpers MC, I grew up in Southern California, attended a handful, well, more than a handful of uh, District 37 Enduro, or, uh, excuse me, desert races. I was always surprised by the number of turnouts that people showed up to the District 37 out in the Lucerne Valley, Johnson Valley, uh, so on. When I moved to the Pacific Northwest, everybody was saying, you need to go to the Desert 100. So finally, one year, I packed up my stuff and went out there. And there was over 7,000 people at this event. I had never seen anything like it. There was a complete 
city in the the middle of this farming community with 7,000 plus people on their bikes. And, you know, the starting line is is probably it's reminiscent of the, the 70s kind of Southern California desert races where the starting line is over a mile and a half long. So the Desert 100 is definitely, if it's something on your radar, you definitely need to make an attempt and go see that. Well, cool. Yeah, that's one of the things. It's, uh, it, I was talking to Steven about it, and it was like, heck yeah, we want to try to figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, we had so much fun doing that doing that uh, Big Sky edit. We've been trying to figure out a way to you know, to be able to make it out to more races. So that's one of the things we've got to figure out. And obviously there's there's budgets and everything that go along with that, and that's one of the deals that you have to figure out. But hey, that's that's part of doing business. So obviously That, that is very true. That's something we can figure out. It, it's funny, uh, Ryan mentioned that they had a couple 1190s uh, over that people were riding around and said that one guy was just totally bouncing it off the rev liver during the opening ceremonies at the ISDE. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I mean, right? Grab the front brake and just give it some, hey? Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, I would think it's funny that we're, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is I go into some of the shops that carry Harleys or carry Yamahas, they carry street bikes, cruisers and such, and the front, right. they always have the goofy little accessories that you can get, like right up front, you know, the $10, $20 things. What's right. the, what's the goofiest accessory that somebody has bought for their adventure bike that you're just like I don't want to order this for you, but you have um, to because they're paying you. Well, I, I've been to a couple BMW events where I, I've seen very small gasoline powered generators powering espresso machines packed on the small back of guys' bikes before. Really? Oh yeah, it's it's pretty comical. Um, you know, everybody enjoys it in their own way, so you know you can't really look down on them. But um, you know, there, there's the adventure bike crowd is definitely a, a unique, interesting crowd. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially I think the, the Beamer stuff. It's like so. I mean, these guys just had like a little generator that they kept like in one side, and then they whip out their espresso machine and just start bubblies. That's that's exactly what they did. Man, I need to go hang out with these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I need to find the guys that are brewing their own beer on their bikes. That, that's 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 a big big part of adventure bike riding. There's typically quite a bit of drinking that's happening. That's not the worst time ever. Well, um, yeah. Where where uh, again? I know you, I uh I think it's Conformist. What was the name of the shop? I, I didn't Conflict Motors. Conflict Motorsports. Motors I'm sorry. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't put it in my notes for some reason. I'm, yeah, no worries. I'm failing miserably. Did you, yeah. uh, did you, did, were you listening to the show as we were talking with Ryan Kudla? You know, I, I was having issues and I couldn't hear you at all, to be honest. Oh man. It's funny. We got a, so as a, as a fun little quote, uh, I'll go ahead and just give you the best part of it. This is from a email that we got from one of our listeners and here's a, the middle part of his quote is I would take dead air any day over half the stuff that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> I was like, that guy is a true fan because he's he just put his heart in an email to me, yeah, literally, like straight up. So, what do you do? What do you do? Keep being yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's that's all you can do. That's for sure. <laughs> as I was telling Ryan, I always have fun doing this, so it's like as long as that's happening, we're having a good time. So, right, right. Well, uh, what's your what's your website URL? You guys on Twitter, all that kind of stuff, where people can uh, maybe go find out more about your shop and your adventuring and stuff. Not really on uh, Twitter, but I am on uh, Facebook, Conflict Motorsports and Suspension. Um, it's spelled with a K, K-O-N-F-L-I-C-T, motorsports.com. All right. And uh, so. what kind of – so when I go purchase my adventure bike and I send you my suspension, uh, you're going to get some extra love? Absolutely. We'll definitely take care of you. You know, there's <laughs> – you know, there was a, actually I wanted to, to. Is it okay if we talked a little bit about the team riders that we had? Oh we yeah, no, no, absolutely. Definitely tie up on that. No, no, so, go for it. So, so we got six riders, uh, myself included, and there's quite a range of abilities that we have here that range from. We got a John Eisenberg who's raced Baja 1000 a few times. He's actually won this the class at Starvation Ridge. Uh, actually, excuse me, he's podium three times and he's won first overall, from what I understand, at Starvation Ridge. He's actually raced Vegas to Reno, many, many hare and hound races. Um, genuinely a good guy to have on our team. He's definitely got some experience uh, racing off-road and he he rides an adventure bike unbelievably. And um, we have, like I said, we have a pretty ri- broad range of riders that we have here. We got Daryl from uh, Cyclops Adventure Sports. He's the, he and I kind of put this team together right. and came up with the idea of putting this and doing this. 
Um, his riding background, he's, he's been racing since he was five or so. And I think this is going to be his 23rd or 24th 24-hour race. So he's got quite a bit of an experience. And he actually won the Desert 100 Adventure Bike class the first year that that was put on. Um, Man, so do all of these guys, would the Kudlas know who these guys are? Because Eric Kudla puts on a lot of the events. I wonder if it sounds like... You know, I would imagine that that Eric would probably know uh, Daryl just due to the fact that Daryl's been to every night race that you can imagine just due to the fact that you know he's he owns a, a lighting company led superior led lighting technology which we're actually going to be running really stoked about some of the new products that he's coming out with for sure um so i would imagine that eric would probably know him and i think daryl's actually working with eric on the get extreme race that's coming up here pretty soon okay um down in johnson valley i think to be honest um one of the other riders, this this guy actually is is kind of a pretty unique guy. This this is the story behind this guy would probably interest you pretty good. All right. Um, his name's Radic Burkat. He's from British Columbia. Started racing in 07. In 08, raced the Baja 1000. It's just unheard of for a guy riding a year to go and race an event like that. Um, finished the Baja 1000, his first attempt, complete green guy. Started racing a lot of hair scrambles up in British Columbia and then decided, you know what? I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to get myself an adventure bike. The very next year, he goes down to the Baja 1000, and he's going to Ironman the Baja 1000 on a 990 KTM. And unfortunately, he ended up breaking his foot while he was pre-running, so he wasn't able to compete that that entirely. Um, But he's going to come and join us on the team, and he's definitely going to be an asset just like everybody else on the team. Um uh, we got Jason Williams, who's a local here on the east side of Seattle. Um, he is probably one of the faster guys in the group. I would say that I'm probably going to be the slowest, and the other guys are, are pretty quick on their bikes. Um, you know, he, he's an A enduro champion, uh, bumped up to double A, was able, you know, vet B winner, 04, let's see here, actually is an expert, one in the expert class, so... We got quite a broad range, so I really think that we're going to be able to give these guys a, a pretty good run for their money on these big bikes. Yeah. Should be a pretty good, interesting. And, and you know, we're actually doing a story on this, starting from the very beginning. Actually, tomorrow we're doing some filming, and we're going to be interviewing everybody, and kind of getting a story behind each and everybody, each and every person involved in the group. And then we're actually hired a film team to come in and film the events from the start to the finish, and we're going to put a little bit of a story together. So that way, everybody could understand the madness that's kind of behind this adventure bike craze and why we would be willing to go and, and really put ourselves through the punishment, so to speak, of, of what we're going to be doing. Man. Well, I look forward to this. So where, uh, um, what, what is a timeline? Do you guys have kind of a timeline on when uh, your, your crew will be able to get all the footage together? Like You're like, we're paying you. It has to be done by X. Yeah. So the, the race is actually on the 26th and 27th. Um, we're we're probably gonna realistically be three to four weeks after the event is hosted. Right. No, that, that's understandable, especially too if, if you're doing the whole race, it's 24 hours worth of filming, all that right. stuff, and that's a lot of footage to go through. Um, that definitely really, is really makes something that's worth uh, you know worth putting out and worth uh, you know charging money for, if you will. Um, well, cool. I look for forward sure. to that. Do you guys uh, plan on just putting that on YouTube, or is there going to be more of a distribution behind it, or? Well, so we've had quite a few sponsors actually come on board. You know, actually, you know, myself, Conflict Motorsports is supporting the team. Um, Cyclops Adventure Sports is supporting the team. But, you know, there's there's a lot of people in the industry that we're, we've been really fortunate enough to build relationships with. And some of the support that we've been getting has, has really been unbelievable. Um, we've had some things that have kind of come on board that that have really been game changers for us. And... You know, depending uh, my thoughts on this, to be honest, is is if we do good enough on this event, why don't we just continue on and go down to the Baja 1000 in November and just <laughs> compete in the, the thousand? I mean, you know, it's it, it's one of those things that once you get the ball rolling, you know, you kind of run with it. So, um, you know, we've had Giant Loop Moto, who I don't know if you're familiar with, but they make a lot of you know uh, soft luggage for adventure bikes, and okay. a lot of guys, a lot of guys are running it like. Um, Kendall Norman and Quinn Cody ran it when they did the uh, rip to the tip, you know, where they did the Red Bull video. They yep. packed everything on their bikes and they rode down. So they were actually using the giant loop bags. 
Um, Renasco Racing, he makes custom seats for everything from adventure bikes to motocross bikes, and they're one-off, shaped directly for you. I mean, they're pretty awesome seats. Um, just locally, we had uh, our local Yamaha dealer step up Ride Motorsports, and they offered to cover our tires for the event, which is obviously a pretty large investment on their behalf. Sounds like that's board. probably the best sponsor to have right there. <laughs> yeah, that's you can't get better than that. I mean, that's really going to help out. And then we've had uh, Coastal Instruments Incorporated, which is actually, a, from what I understand, a, a electronics calibration, calibrating company. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a company that was brought on by John Eisenberg and... Their donation has, has been a game changer for us, and we couldn't be anything but grateful for everybody that's been able to step up and give us a hand out because uh, we've been really fortunate and really thankful. Well, wicked, man. I definitely look forward to uh, seeing more about this and everything. So you guys have to get some kind of Twitter or you know whoever your film crew is, have them get some kind of thing set up and make sure you send it our way um, so that we can help you guys publicize this a little bit. I think it's something that people would like to follow throughout the 24 hours, just kind of like, Y'all trying to contain crazy. Uh, well, so so we bikes. did we did that. We actually created a, a Facebook page called the Heavyweights. That's the team name of our team, the All Heavyweights. Right. And you know, just it is. I think it's actually ADV Heavyweights slash Facebook or something along those lines. I could email it to you later. Um, and our plan is to have race updates throughout it. It's kind of following us from the very beginning of the story to the very end. And we're going to have some people, you know, at the races kind of giving live updates on Facebook and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely incorporate all that. And if we can get any exposure that way, that'd be fantastic. Wicked. Well, I'm totally down. I think this is super cool. I, uh, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, chat room's <laughs> giving me uh chat room's giving me heck again. You just gotta, you just gotta go with it sometimes, man. It's whatever comes out of your mouth. Maybe it's just, yep. dead, maybe it's dead air. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> that guy. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it, uh, see you guys do this. Uh, I definitely want to make it out to one of these adventure riding schools. There's a rally school, I think, in Nevada somewhere that we're gonna. my dad and I are going to try to go to now that he's kind of got into this. Uh, hopefully, yeah, Jimmy, sometime Jimmy next Lewis, year. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Lewis has his riding school out of Prompt, Nevada. Yes. That, that's definitely be a good one to go see. Yeah, I think my dad was – he was in Colorado Springs at the KTM Adventure Ride they had there, or Steamboat Springs. And, yeah. Uh, he said that Jimmy Lewis actually gave kind of like a – little half you know like little hour long uh adventure riding or i guess kind of adventure riding tips thing right but hey i I can imagine those beasts of a bike you gotta you gotta have as much training as you can possibly find that's for sure well i would definitely uh i'll forward over some information and uh when we get the video together i'd I'd love to see this up on your site so absolutely And get we'll, uh, some support any way we can. Yeah, sure. And we'll talk to the guys over at Verb Off Road, see if we can get them to talk about it too. So for sure, we could definitely Sweet. make it happen. Well, dude, I really appreciate you, one, getting in touch with me, and two, being able to be on the show. It's, uh, you know, it's, Sometimes we have technical difficulties with video not coming through, but the thing is is we, got, we have audio the whole time. We've been recording the whole deal, so it's going to be up. It's going to be posted. Now, the thing is is where you guys can find this stuff is our website. So seatime.co is where we archive all these shows like this, 101 of them. Um, then, of course, if you just wanted to listen, you can find it on Stitcher and iTunes, uh, or if you just wanted to go to YouTube and search for Seat Time. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find all of our daily updates. It's facebook.com slash seat time. Uh, we are on Twitter, twitter.com slash seat time underscore co. Um, and then on uh, Instagram, it's just seat time. Um, that's just all kinds of fun shenanigans. Uh, if you enjoy just good times, awesomeness, and, uh, and trying to make fun of life, those are the places to follow us. That's what we like to do. As, as many uh, as many moto related things as we can post up there, but we still have fun with it as well. Um, well, cool, Alex. Really appreciate you being on the show. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good luck, and uh, I can't wait to hear about it, dude. So have fun out there. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>